Hello everyone. Join me, a small medium at large, as we explore the world of spirit, energy, tarot, mediumship, psychic abilities, angels, oracles, paranormal activity and basically anything downright spooky. If any, some or all of those things interest you, then you've come to the right place, my friends. I'm Melanie Mahmood and welcome to the Spirit Level Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Spirit Level Podcast and as we are recording I'm looking out across the woods and I can barely see the top of the hill because the snow's coming down so hard. It looks like I'm I'm inside a giant snow globe so I hope you're okay wherever you are. The beast from the east Mark 2 is very much with us um, but it doesn't seem to be settling on the road so we're okay. So it's uh, it's got a nice uh, cosy feeling up here in the loft today. And on today's episode, we're looking at Crystal Corner. We're looking at Citrine, which is the Abundance Stone. We have some more of your questions, uh, which I have no idea what they are at this time. My special guest this week is Stephen Smith from Chi Living Yoga, who in the first of this two-part interview is going to talk about how he started out looking at mindfulness and how that developed into his successful yoga business. And in time for tarot, the feature card this week is the Emperor. So, off we go. Welcome to Crystal Corner. And in this episode, we're going to talk about citrine. I love citrine and I always carry some in my purse and if you keep listening you'll find out why and you'll probably be carrying some yourself. So physically it's a pale yellow, often lemon to orange in colour and it's called silicon dioxide in the scientific language and the lighter lemon colours are generally used for its physical benefits and the darker orange and deeper shades for its spiritual benefits. So physically, citrine stimulates the brain and the intellect. So it's a really, really good stone for studying as it motivates, it encourages self-expression and also promotes concentration. As an elixir, which I will discuss what an elixir is, it's when you put a crystal in some water for some time and then use that water and drink it. Apparently, it's absolutely superb for all menopausal issues. So hot flushes, brain fog, emotional ups and downs. And uh, you have to be really careful with elixirs, though. There's only certain crystals that you can use as elixirs. You have to be really careful, but you can use citrine. So it's okay to use that. Emotionally, it releases fears and phobias and helps with depression and it smooths over family discord. So if there's any arguments going off or there's tension in the air at home, it's a really good stone to have in the house because it promotes inner calm and smooths things over. But the reason why I carry it in my purse is because it's the abundance stone. So it's 
brings money in it attracts money and wealth so i always have some in my purse or my wallet you can put some in your cash box in your business or in the wealth corner of your house if you're wondering what the wealth corner of your house is if you stand at your front door looking into the house it's the left furthest corner from your front door so in case you were wondering and it's a feng shui thing uh, that is where your wealth corner is. So if you put a piece of citrine in that corner, it should attract wealth to the house. It's a very high energy stone, but not really high. It feels joyful. It's uh, It's got a really nice, uh, bouncy kind of energy. It feels like solidified sunshine. It looks like solidified sunshine. And there's lots of citrine in jewellery because it, it needs to be worn next to the skin really in order to get the benefits from it. So I've been asked to name a few sources that I think are good quality places to get pieces from. Uh, and I would check out the psychictree.co.uk. They often have really good prices uh, for really good quality stones. And be careful if you find out that the particular stone that you're wanting to purchase is from America because if it's from America I say may and it only may be heat, treat, heat treated amethyst which is citrine's kissing cousin so the best sources personally for me are Brazil and Russia but you can get it from France and you can get it from the UK but as I said be careful if you're getting it from America it may I only say may be heat treated amethyst and not proper citrine that's it for Citrine, folks, and that's this week's Crystal Corner. So this is the section of the show where I get to answer some questions that I have absolutely no idea that have been sent in. So thank you very much for sending them in, and I'll hand over to Mr M for the first question. Thank you, Mel. Thank you again, everybody, for sending your questions in. Um, three... Um Tricky ones, I think, this week, Mel. Oh, okay. Okay, your first one from Emily. What are orbs? Right, well, orbs, um, if you go onto YouTube and look at a lot of the channels that have uh, got uh, recordings of spirits or hauntings, what you'll often see is a small light. It's usually round, uh, and you'll see them darting about. Um they float about and they're often said to be dust or whatever, but often they're not because they move in a way that is quite purposeful and not in a way or a random way that a dust particle would. And it is said that an orb is like the, the beginnings of uh, um, spirit manifestation. So it's like the, the physical bit of the energy uh, that is shown and is recorded. So I see orbs all the time. Um, I've recorded orbs. I've recorded them at Stansted for obvious reasons it would be somewhere that was quite active so you might see them on CCTV or on monitors but um, that's that's what an orb is so I hope that's answered that one Thank you Mel, next we have a question from Andy who asks what's your soul and can it be measured Oh good an interesting one again um, there was an experiment where it, it is said that it was measured. Uh, it was somebody who, it was a doctor, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was weighing a body uh, at the point of, of that person's passing and claims to have measured there was a measurement 
where the body was lighter after death, immediately after death. And it was point, 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 something, something of a, of a micron or whatever difference, but it was a measurable difference. Um, your, your soul is your spiritual being. It's not part of your body. It resides in your body, but it's that essential equivocal you. It's that bit of, of you, that spark of life, that personality. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, some somebody who is deceased. That spark's gone. It's not there. It's just an empty vessel. Um, it's that that living energy part. And I think that's what your soul is. We could go into reams about what happens to your soul after passing or reincarnation, but we could do an entire episode on that. So I hope that answers that question. Uh, yes, it can. I think it can be measured. It has been measured. And your soul is you, the essence and essential you. Thank you, Mel. Our third and final question this week, and uh, thank you to Matthew who sent this in. I've never heard of this, but I'm sure you have, and I'm sure you'll be able to answer it. Matthew asks, can you explain stone tape theory? Oh, right. Okay. Yes, I can. Um, There is a theory, and it's relating to hauntings. Uh, particularly, you're kind of like Grey Lady uh, in a castle. If you think Warwick Castle or somewhere like that, it's the it's it's the apparition that is seen on a regular basis. And the theory is, if you I don't know if you can remember these, some of you may not, but if you remember audio tapes, yeah, you remember like your BASF audio tapes that we used to tape the charts off on a Sunday. Yeah. Well, that's a magnetic piece of tape, and obviously you press record the conditions are right and it would record your voice or music. The theory is, is that these stone buildings like your castle are made out of of rock that is magnetic. So essentially mimicking the tape of the audio cassette and in the right conditions, an, uh, an event or a person can be imprinted on the atmosphere of that that particular rock or that place. And again, conversely, if the conditions are right, that recording can be replayed and that is what is seen. So you're seeing the replay of a recording of a person. So it's that theory that is is why we see grey ladies in castles, etc. So do you understand that? Does that make sense? It does. They were brilliant questions and I really enjoyed that. If you would like to send me some burning questions, here's how you can get in touch with us. Thank you to everyone who's submitted a question. There are a number of ways you can get in touch with us. You can get in touch with us via email. Our address is thespiritlevel22 at gmail.com. On Facebook, on groups, search for The Spirit Level. On Twitter, search for thespiritlevel.co.uk. Our Twitter handle is at thespiritlevelu, which is a capital U. On Instagram, search for Melanie Mahmood. And in addition, there are a number of resources for you to download and access on our website, totally free of charge, on www.thespiritlevel.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you.
So this is the part of the show where I get to have a little chat with somebody lovely and positive in the hopes that it'll help me uplift you and put some spiritual sunshine your way. So I'm absolutely delighted to introduce my special guest today, a truly lovely individual with a truly lovely energy. It's Stephen Smith from Cheerleading Yoga. Welcome, Stephen. Hello, how are you, Mel? I'm very good, how are you? I'm brilliant, thank you, yeah. So just so that the listeners know, Stephen's been my yoga instructor in the past, so I can fully and personally vouch for how good he is, because trust me, if he can get my stiff old bones moving, it can work wonders for anyone. So <laughs> Stephen, I'm fascinated how you got into yoga, and was mindfulness part of that practice, or did it naturally follow on from there? Well, it's it's interesting that you that you ask the question in that way because most people I find start doing yoga and then discover the mindfulness uh, and meditation and uh, go into it that way. I was the opposite way around. How I uh, I've always been very physically active, lots and lots of sport and running and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So I, I wasn't I was never really looking for another physical activity okay what but I, I was looking for something to help me with with my mind and I got into mindfulness first and after doing mindfulness for a while thought this is you know this is really good stuff I'll, I think I'll give yoga a try as well and then I, so I started going to a yoga class but so I, I did it the opposite way around to what most people do yeah I went into mindfulness um, to help me cope with mental illness, right? Um, okay, and, and that that was my motivation for it. It wasn't a physical thing. Um, I wanted to to find something that would help me deal with the negative stuff that was going on with my mind. And so I started looking at mindfulness and got into it that way. Did you do that on your own? Did you look at books, or did you go to a, a, a specific class, or? get tutored um, in it was it something you I, did on your own or I did, I did it largely on my own to be honest okay. I, I have been to to different workshops and, and stuff mindfulness workshops um but there's a real wealth of stuff out there if yeah. if you want to go you know looking for it I mean there's there's a lot of junk out there as well there but there's you know there's a lot of genuine real quality mindfulness stuff out there that I found very accessible and very easy to engage with. Uh, and, and and I really, I took to it like a duck to water, really. It was, I think, I think I was pushing at an open door. Yeah. And um, the, the what I was looking for, I, I more or less immediately started to feel the benefit of by doing mindfulness practice and took that on. It was probably about a year, to be fair, but before I thought, oh, you know, I might want to to delve into this kind of thing a little bit further and start going to just a local yoga class. And um, where did you make the jump from from being, a, you know, a practitioner of, to wanting to teach the yoga side of well, things and the mindfulness? It was, it was because I was enjoying it so much. Yeah. Um, I thought, do you know what? This is this is something that I'd like to take and share. You know, not just do for myself. Um, and so I, I got, I went on a, on a yoga teacher training course, um, 
and and, and the the rest of this is history. I, I, you know, I, it, it, that was my motivation. I thought I'm getting so much out of this. Yeah. That I think I could, I think I could put this across in a way that would allow other people to get into it as well. Um, and and so that was it. So I I, I did the teacher training course. Um, which which was amazing, which was brilliant. And then I started doing just a, a family and friends class, basically. We, well, I hired a school hall um, and I had about a dozen people who were my family and, and, a, and a handful of friends. And we started doing uh, just a, a Monday night yoga class. Um, and it took off. And, and it took off. Well, what happened was... Um, uh, there's a the GP surgery near me um, but this is obviously back in the day before all this the, the current situation happened the GP surgery had a yoga class there and the teacher was moving on and I know somebody at the at the at the GP surgery and they said do you want do you want to take this on so I did so I took that class on and then that class got full and so we started another class there and then I started another class in the school hall, and and, I, and before long I was thinking, D- D- I could probably do this full time, and, and that's ex- so I did. I packed my you job did. in and <laughs> threw everything at it. Fantastic! So everyone probably knows or can guess what the physical effects of uh, yoga and mindfulness are, but what will you say are the hidden benefits, the not so well known benefits of of yoga and mindfulness? Yeah, I mean well there's I mean there's a couple of things that, that spring to mind immediately. One is is just a general one, but one's more specific kind for the for the situation that we all find ourselves in at the moment. The first one is is I I think it really helps you with focus and clarity in your mind. You you know you've been in my classes and you, yeah. you'll have heard me say that when you're in a yoga pose, it should consume your mind. It should it should be it should be so challenging physically that you're thinking about it to such an extent that other things have to wait. So and and, I, and that for me is a massive massive part of the way I teach yoga. That um, that if you're in a pose and you're thinking about what you're having for tea or what's a next episode on your soap or whatever then then that's that's when i'm kind of pick up and say no right you need to be thinking about your foot placement or your hand placement or how you're breathing or whatever so i think it helps with your focus and helps with that uh single you know the bit your ability to focus on one thing and not try and multitask all the time which we're all so guilty of absolutely and that and, and, you're right i'd never even thought of that but you're absolutely right that's what happens yeah and, and, and so you and, get and, that and, rest your mind has a little bit of a rest it does it yeah. does and, it, yeah. and it, it it doesn't mean that the problems go away or that thoughts disappear but it does mean that for that for that hour or even for that couple of minutes where you're engaged in that pose that the other stuff that's going on has to wait uh, and and sometimes it waits and goes away and sometimes as soon as you stop it comes back but the the ability to be able to turn your focus onto one thing and not be juggling loads and loads of things i think is really really important and people really are sometimes quite surprised by that effect yeah um 
There's, but the other thing that that's re- that's really surprised me since March last year, when we started not being able to do face to face classes, is that um, the way we use technology has has swooped in, and as we've we've now got, I I refer to it as a as an online community, a yoga yeah. online community, and we've well, I've got various sort of social media groups and whatsapp groups and things going on where people now uh, my my wife would say my wife is, is comes to all my classes and she's and she says i'm really good friends with people that i've never met yeah yeah you know, because like, of the online yeah because of the online stuff because yeah. we chat about yoga we chat about other stuff and and i've never actually met them face to face but there's this like community now of people who are supporting each other uh, and it's it's gone way beyond yoga. You know, it's still yoga focused, but it's people talking, like supporting people when they're having an hard time, you know, like encouraging and celebrating good things that are happening. Uh, so so that, I know it's that's not a direct result of yoga practice, but it's a result as of being part of, a community of people who are practicing yoga and that's taken me by surprise and and it's something that I, I've, I've said to lots of people uh, there's not many things about this last year that I, that I think of uh, that I would want to keep but that's definitely one of them you know I want to keep that going because it's been so beneficial for so many people it's been fantastic that's really wonderful to hear that something that positive has come out of the situation that we've been in. And yeah. I'm sure that people will want to hear a little bit more about that in part two. So we're oh. going we're gonna to move on from there, Stephen. Thank you for joining us this week. Join us next time when we're going to part two of the interview with Stephen, where we talk a bit more about yoga uh, and also about how his, his business has changed uh, during the COVID-19 situation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for tarot. And in this episode, we are going to meet the governor, that's the emperor, card number four of the major arcana. So in the picture, the emperor sits on his Ramadan throne, a symbol of Mars. He's holding the Ankh scepter in his right hand and a globe, a symbol of domination in his left So the Emperor sits atop a stark barren mountain in signs of sterility of regulation and an unyielding power. So this card in its meaning is suggesting stability and security in your life. You are on top of things and everything is under your control. But it's also the card of hard work, discipline and self-control that have brought you to this situation. It means you're in charge of your life now and you're setting up your own rules and boundaries He's a very action-based energy, is the Emperor, and um, he's got a solid, dependable, but benevolent power um, to him. And in an upright position, he means authority, the boss figure, the father figure, and the husband in a role or relationship. But he also represents law and order, leadership, power and promotion. So it's, like I said, it's a very hard kind of solid energy to him. So when he turns up 
in a reading, it means that there's there's a level of control there. In the reserves position, it means exactly the opposite and it can mean that that power is imbalanced somehow. So it can represent somebody who's a bit of a control freak, a lack of discipline or a loss of authority. It can also mean that there's manipulative friends about uh, and a bit of immaturity. So again, it's about the layers and teasing out which of these aspects relates to the reading. It's the element of fire, so it's Leo, Aries and Sagittarius that are involved in this particular situation or that kind of energy. And the ruling planet, like I said, is Mars. Mars is very energetic, very go-getting, very nothing stops him. So we've met both the Emperor and the Empress, which represent the feminine and the masculine. And in the next episode, we will be meeting the Hierophant, who represents society, structures and governance. Well, that's it for this episode, folks. A big thank you to Buzzsprout for hosting us, as usual. Our thanks to the folks at Ophonics and Audacity for their technical help. A massive thank you to Stephen Smith from Chilabi Yoga for being on the show. To my producer, Mr M, for his help and continual support and patience. And finally, a massive, massive thank you to all you listeners, wherever you may be, for your continued support and your lovely messages. Please, please subscribe and review our podcast. Your feedback will help us massively. It helps us improve. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and CastBox or via your podcast provider. Until next time, love and light to you all.